Hi, friends. My name is Trish Dietz, and I want to thank you for listening in as we focus this week's podcast from our text in James chapter 1, verses 19 to 28. It is lesson two in our study guides entitled Hearing and Doing. The first part of this chapter that was covered in lesson one, James is encouraging us to keep trusting the Lord, loving Him in and through difficulties. He wants us to remain faithful even when life is really hard. God has a purpose in allowing trials, and we can even have joy. It's available when we face trials, when we're in the Lord. Well, in the second half of chapter 1, our text for today, James gives us examples in what that trust and obedience looks like for a believer. Under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, James, who is the half-brother of Jesus, teaches us practical lessons of discipline and self-control, wisdom, and service. The first words in verse 19 from various translations, James says with a very endearing tone to his brothers and sisters, Know this. Understand this. This you know. Remember this take note of this. He's wanting to get our attention to fully receive the instruction to follow. James is commanding all of our attention, every part of us, literally, how we hear, what we say, how we live, and how we serve. I'm a substitute school teacher, and when I greet students for the first time, it's important to direct their attention away from the distractions all around them and to look to me and listen for the lesson to be taught. You know, that can be especially challenging in a classroom full of 24 little four- and five-year-olds. Some children may be having a really tough morning. Perhaps it was especially hard for them leaving mom or dad. Some children may be having the disappointment with not being able to sit by their best friend or upset that a friend won't play with them, or they're just too excited or tired to settle down. I have them stand up and point as we sing this little song together. Head, shoulders, knees, and toes, and it goes on eyes and ears, mouth and nose, head, shoulders, knees, and toes. The message in that song is, hey, I want all of your attention, every part of you. Point to your head, your eyes, your ears, your mouth, your toes. All systems are alert and fired, so to speak, to be ready to receive the lesson ahead. Can we? as God's children, apply that same full attention and discipline to the lessons from Scripture. Even when so much around us tries to distract, discourage, or pull us away entirely. The question we can ask ourselves right smack in the middle of the challenges of life, whether those challenges are mild distractions or really fiery hard trials, Hey, do I have a teachable heart? With a faith like a child and my eyes on my teacher, in complete dependence and full attention, 
Can I engage my head, shoulders, knees, toes, eyes, mouth, ears, and nose to the lessons? Sitting at the feet of Jesus, alert and actively listening to his instructions with the intent to obey. You know, that should be the goal of every Christian. Sometimes, some lessons are easier to receive than others. I get that. The truth is, all his lessons are necessary and for our good. For the believer, all the trials and tribulations that are allowed by God must have a divine purpose. Their ultimate purpose, of course, is to make us more like Jesus, producing righteousness. Well, my outline today from James chapter 1, verses 19 to 27, focuses on four areas of applied learning in our walks with Jesus. Number one, listen up. Two, speak up. Number three, clean up. And number four, step up. Starting with verse 19 of chapter one of James, understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must all be quick to listen. The first point again, listen up. You know, when someone's speaking to you, quite simply, listen. To state the obvious, we have two ears and one mouth. Listen with intent. It means hear quickly, fully, attentively. You know, don't sit there and build a defense or a rebuttal while they're talking, and don't interrupt. It requires self-discipline and full attention in listening to the whole matter before jumping in with an opinion. It's active listening. You know, it makes me think of a jury. They wait for all the evidence to be presented from both sides before they can even consider the guilt or innocent for the verdict. They listen. They take notes. And, you know, there will come a time when deliberations are necessary in that deliberation room. They can talk freely with each other. They can ask each other questions. They can ask for more evidence. But for hours, days, maybe even weeks, They listen and listen, and their response matters in time. I also think of a classroom. The teacher stands at the front of the class usually and presents the lesson. The students listen, and then they ask questions if they just don't get it. What are the things that keep us from hearing? Do you come in a conversation with a bias? Have you already formed an opinion? Are you distracted with other thoughts or maybe something not even related to the conversation, a cell phone or something? How can I improve my listening skills? The simple answer is ask God and begin by listening to Him. Read God's Word. Look and listen for His perspective, His opinion before others. Model Jesus. Jesus communicated compassion and care to others. You know, he took the time to listen, to understand. He was a perfect teacher. He still is our perfect teacher, and he modeled for us the importance to understand what his hearers were thinking so that he could meet their needs. 
whether those needs were met with the compassion that he just cares and hears or practical help. He never forced anyone to believe his words. He drew them in with his care and his kindness. He was gracious with his time. He was accessible. He was fully attentive in his welcoming, loving arms. Jesus often asked people questions. And you know, that's evidence of someone who's truly listening. He obviously knew their answers, but he listened. Their words, their hurts, their needs, their desires, they mattered to him. Well, let's read on in verse 19 for our second point. Be slow to speak, slow to get angry. And then verse 20, human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. So our second point is speak up. You know, don't mistake being slow to speak as a call to silence. Just listen more and talk less. The Bible says the mouth will speak what the heart is saturated with. Ask for and believe that you can have the heart, the mind, the words, the motive of Christ in your interactions. Psalm 141.3 says, Take control of what I say, O Lord, and guard my lips. You know, sometimes little things can set us off. In James 3, we will study the power of the tongue, such a little part of our body, but with such power for good or bad. My spiritual mom, Dottie, who is in heaven now, set such a great example to me in choosing words and silence carefully. She was always wanting to honor and reflect Jesus. You know, she'd occasionally stop mid-sentence in the middle of a conversation, put her finger on her lips. She'd stop and she'd say, Honey, the Lord doesn't want me to say that. What a fruit of self-control. Such wisdom and restraint. You know, it didn't matter to her if that seemed a bit awkward. She wanted every word to matter, and she knew the Lord was listening to every conversation. You know, in budgeting, these are hard times, so I'm sure we're all revisiting our budgets. Have you ever heard of the statement, every dollar has a name? Well, it serves as a kind of quick check on what and where we spend each dollar. That's good stewardship. It's for our benefit. It honors God in our finances. When you think, okay, every dollar has a purpose. It has a name. Well, every word has a name, a purpose. And one day, the Bible says, we're going to give an account for every word we speak. Stop and think about that for a minute. We're to be good stewards of the word, each word, for our benefit and for God's glory. Honor him in your speech. So, when we speak up, how should we speak? Well, Paul instructs us in Colossians 4, 6, Let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone. Isn't that a great goal? Conversation should be gracious and attractive. Control your tongue, ladies. Select words carefully. 
be patient with your response. And you know, the way we speak matters. We've got the verbal, the words, but the tone, your countenance, the nonverbal, that matters too. It requires self-discipline, both to listen and speak in humility. It shows you're valuing that time with another. Those people, all people, matter to God, no matter if you disagree with them or wholeheartedly agree. They matter to God. We have to remind ourselves that we don't know everything, and certainly we don't know fully how another person is feeling or maybe struggling. Be willing to just stop talking and listen. Well, James goes on to say, slow to get angry. You know, I don't need to tell you, but we live in a time where anger is stirred. Anger is even celebrated. It's an emotion that can be hard to control. But with the help of the Holy Spirit, we can practice the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. It's said of the Proverbs 31 woman, the law of kindness is on her lips. I just love that, the law of kindness. James doesn't say never become angry because some things, they do anger us. They should anger us. Anger is a human emotion all of us experience, and it can be justified. But James makes it clear, however, don't let anger control you. It's a choice to believe that God is in control and he wants to direct our words and our actions. Proverbs 15.1 says, A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word, it stirs up anger. We're called to speak the truth boldly, so don't shy away from that, but do it in love. Poor decisions and Bad results happen when the impulse of anger is acted upon. You know, as I mentioned, there's much to be concerned about, frustrated about, pray about, take action about, speak up about. But in anger, don't sin. My anger, when acted upon in my flesh, it actually interferes with what God wants to do. Jesus was righteously angry at sin. He turned the tables. He knows perfectly well what's going on, and he feels no differently about sin and injustices today. Well, my focus so far has been on verbal language, speaking with our words. But, you know, digital speech, emails, text, they bring a whole new set of potential encouragement or conflict The internet has allowed us to push our opinions on others, often, sadly, in a confrontational way, making a snap decision about responding and offering comments that stir the pot of conflict and division. Be above reproach with what you text and what you post. Well, thirdly, clean up, verse 21. James writes, So get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts, for it has the power to save your souls. Get rid of, put away all filth and evil in our lives. Pretty straightforward, wouldn't you say? 
Keep yourself from being polluted or negatively influenced. Don't be dragged down by the world's way of living. It calls for a spiritual house cleaning. Ask the Lord to point out things and allow Him to do that deep work of cleaning as you confess your sins. Psalm 139, verses 23 and 4. Search me, O God. Know my heart. Test me. Know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. When we trust the Lord and we want His nature in our lives, we're going to opt out of sin, no matter how countercultural that is. James says simply, remove the bad, replace with the good. It starts with accurately seeing ourselves through the lens of Scripture and accepting God's Word and what to do about it. Humbly receive with meekness the Word of God. That's what James encourages the church to do. The word accept means literally to welcome, showing hospitality. This word is used for how we receive others into our homes. But we must cultivate a heart and life that welcomes into our home, our lives, our being the very word of God. It's the only way, ladies, to live the life God has planned for us. Finally, from our text, a call to action, our fourth point, step up, verses 22 to 27. The key first to this whole book is our memory verse this week, James 1.22. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Those remaining verses of this chapter shows what matters to God in our walk with him. Do what the word says. The doer of the word constantly comes back to the word, using it as a reference point for the way they live their life, and they're changed because of it. Allow Christ to influence every area of my life. You know, he uses the example of a mirror. Look intently. See what's there. Know what needs to be done and do something about it. How foolish would it be to walk away and don't give attention to what's wrong? Matthew 7, Jesus says, The one who hears the word and doesn't do anything about it is like a foolish man who builds his house on the sand and it's just doomed for destruction. The word tells us what we truly look like. Luke eleven twenty eight says, Jesus replied to them, but even more blessed are those who hear the word of God and put it into practice. Since we love Jesus, we will love what he loves, people, especially the lonely, the vulnerable, and hate what he hates, quite simply sin. There's a great book by Bob Goff called Love Does, and a quote from that book, in the end, Love doesn't just keep thinking about it or planning for it. Simply put, love does. What's the Lord showing you through his word? In listening, speaking, cleaning up an area of your life, or serving? Step up, ladies, and act on that prompting. Or are you going to walk away 
and not do anything about it. The choice is always ours to make. God bless you, ladies.